This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of July 10th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, here in Orlando. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist and producer Derek Miner. What up, doll? Hey, guys. Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. You guys don't even know this yet. This yeah. is one of those shows where there's not many outlets would pair these two together. Right. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Coming up on the show today, we have N.T. Wright coming up. Ooh, okay. Theologian, okay. one of the yes. smartest people in the world. And Hillsong Young and Free. We got Love young, it. we got old. We got the whole spectrum. No matter okay. what you want, okay. we've got it for you coming up on the show today. Love it. Very nice. Very N. T. nice. N.T. Wright has a new book out called God and the Pandemic. And oh, uh, wow. so we talked to him about that. So How fast did he have to write that? <laughs> or, or, or is, he was is just this ready. like a prophetic That's how smart book. he is. No, yeah. that's that's how he, smart was he, is. A, he was at a Bethel Prophecy uh, Conference last year, <laughs> and he just got ready. He just, he just knew it was coming. He's been sitting on that script, yeah. It, it's yeah. like that Netflix pandemic movie that came out right when the pandemic hit. It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm... Wait. I, I, you know, I'm not like one for that elaborate of conspiracy theories, but what a what a marketing plan for that uh, <laughs> quarantine movie to release a virus. Like, how, I, I genuinely am curious, and he'll probably cover it. But I guess he just had it sort of these ideas in the hopper, and then and then you know the <laughs> pandemic actually hit. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, Jesse, you just mentioned the word conspiracies, and I gotta admit to you, I'm exhausted because I was up theories? all night. I was up all night. Dealing with crazy people on relevance Instagram comments. Oh gosh! <laughs> Once again, it, it like it was troubling because uh, Tuesday. So we record on Wednesday. So I'll, you know we're playing with the space time continuum right now. Yeah. You're hearing this on Friday. We're recording this Wednesday morning. This happened on Tuesday. So Tuesday, innocently, America's dad. America has two dads: Uncle Phil. And Tom mm-hmm. Hanks, right? Yep. That's it. Uncle Phil and Tom Hanks. So we just yep. innocently, Tom Hanks on Tuesday, he had yeah. COVID a few months ago when he was shooting in Australia. We know all this. And he just came out, he did an interview, and he was just saying, like, please, America, just do the common sense things for your brother. Wear a mask, you know, like social distance, wash your hands. It's not that complicated. Be a good citizen, please. If you can't do that, I just don't have much respect for you. That's what mm. he said. And, and you put a quote up. So, I saw it. So we just kind of, to be funny, we said, hey, listen, y'all, we don't want to disappoint America's dad. Do this so he's not disappointed in us, right? Okay. Mm. Posted it. That's it. Moved on. Next thing I know, all of a sudden, the comments were talking about, how dare you publish a pedophile? How dare you be a puppet of the left liberal agenda? How dare you, you know, like buy into the stupid pandemic? Do your research relevant. And I'm like, what? I called Tyler. I'm like, Tyler, did something come out about Tom Hanks? I don't know about. And he's no, like, it's cute, no. man. He's it's like, no, dude, crazies. dude, it's completely right wing fringe conspiracy. This thing called QAnon Q uh, and, and and he updated me on what's going on. So apparently there's a faction of right wing evangelicals who believe this conspiracy theory on the corners, far corners of the internet that all the Hollywood elite, the government, the deep state government and media are 
controlling or covering up a child trafficking ring and they're right. all abusing children and somehow the pandemic is involved. Yeah. Hillary well, Clinton was involved. Bill Gates is involved. Does this have to do and with Tom Jeffrey Hanks Epstein? got mentioned on this. Epstein is involved. Yeah, the, and somehow the Tom Podesta, Hanks got mentioned in all this. Yeah, the Podesta leak. So ba- ba- basically, I've yeah, never for, heard this. I know, yeah, it's so, crazy. It was crazy. And these and are Christian people the comments. following relevant. And well, like, I'm why so are you fo- disappointed yeah. in you too. That's my right. favorite and that's my favorite comment. I'm so <laughs> disappointed in you. That's my favorite. Posting pizza emojis in the what comments. What does that mean? It, well, so, so, Pizzagate. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, the last time this dust, uh, dust up like this happened on the Instagram feed, I think Cameron, it might have been when you shared that. Uh, I wrote a, I wrote a feature in the mag probably about a year ago, ran about a year ago about Christians and conspiracy theories that we talked about. You know, the, the, the kid that burst into comic pizza, this, uh, or comic the kid, pizza. It was a dad. It was a, it was a Christian. He, yeah. Yeah. Elder he was at his church, but he know, was young. He was in his early 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in his early 20s and, you know, went to this uh, pizza restaurant that uh, brandishing an automatic rifle, expecting to break up a secret pedophilia ring. Obviously, he didn't find anything, but families enjoying pizza. It was in D.C. I read about this yesterday because The Atlantic did an amazing piece about it. But like like is in D.C. (laughs) and supposedly this anonymous source Q on the Internet said that Hillary Clinton and other people were trafficking children in the basement of this specific pizza parlor in D.C. So this guy goes back there, busts into it, goes into the back. There's a locked door and he shoots it open with his gun to reveal the basement. There's no basement in this building. Yeah. There's just pizza. And it was just yeah. a storage unit. It, it, and it, he's just, you know, he's humiliated it, at this it, point. And the origins of this is at, at the in the 2016 election. Uh, you know, there was the WikiLeaks, uh, you know, email dump of all these emails from high ranking DNC officials, including John Podesta, who's a big, fe- uh, big figure in the DNC. Uh, and uh, his emails got leaked. And the suspicions were that he was sending coded messages about this, you know, cr- crazy ring of, 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 you know, pedophiles and this kind of global conspiracy and a figure on 4chan, which is the darkest corner of the Internet. No one should no one should go there uh, who would go by Q anonymous uh, Q anon would, you know, start posting these sort of cryptic messages that, uh, you know, he 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 claims to be or he or she claims to be a, a Washington insider that is leaking information about this conspiracy and efforts uh, to expose it. And then it starts just like all conspiracy starts reaching its claws into every uh, um, you know, global news event, including the the recent protests, including uh, uh, the pandemic and, and mask uh, recommendations from government officials. But the, the thing is, like a lot of these conspiracies, you don't have to get too far deep or, or too far in till, you know, you see some incredibly troubling things beyond just kind of paranoid rantings, you know, like a lot of these conspiracies. And this is something that we covered extensively in the piece. You know, a lot of them have real anti-Semitic, uh, 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 you know, either dog whistles or just blatant mm-hmm. anti-Semitism. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, when you hear the term globalist or the global mm-hmm. elite, you know, a lot of times that is, um, you know, a dog whistle, you know, a dog whistle is the, is the term they use for, 
you know, only the people who are meant to hear it can hear it uh, for this sort of like Jewish conspiracy. A lot of times they'll drop the name George Soros. So this is a George Soros funded mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. where, you know, George Soros is a, uh, you know, prominent Jewish philanthropist. So you, you again, you're not that far removed from anti-Semitism at the core of a lot of these conspiracies, including Q. And that's partly why Christians, you know, this, this, uh, these Christians that have, you know, you know, really kind of attached themselves to this, it's incredibly troubling. And, and, and a lot of them want to ignore some of the, the dark implications of, of believing these conspiracies. But yeah, a lot of anti-Semitism is at the core of a lot of this. So stuff. I guess what's confusing to me as bro, and, and you may know about, I don't understand the idea of being a Christian and anti-Semite. Like mm. if you believe like Jesus would have been Jewish. Well, yeah. right. So it's, it's, you know, how lot, does that uh, work? I think there's a faction of fundamentalism that says, well, the Jews killed Jesus. So that, I think that's a big part of ancient kind of rivalry between the Jews and Gentiles is that it, the sure. Jews. Well, killed but that's Jesus. all part of his plan. And then if you go to Romans, you go to Romans 11, it talks about yep. how you were grafted in. Right. Right. So you can't, just because right. you were grafted in, you could be grafted out and that the Lord is not going to let his people go. You see right. what I'm saying? So I guess yeah. that's just, to me, that's, I don't understand that. Like you can have a whole movement of anti-Semitism, but worship a, a, a Jewish Hebrew well, Jesus. Yeah. Doesn't but, but make I any mean, sense to me. Yeah. And th- th- this is kind of, you know, it, it really in contemporary times, you know, it was, I mean, and this isn't, you know, I, I know th- that this this isn't jumping to some sort of uh, extreme here. It, it, it you know this was something that was championed during the the Nazis' rise to power. You know, Hitler claimed that he was a Christian doing right. God's work, and oh, wow. and he married religious fanaticism in Christianity with fascism, with mm-hmm. anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so terrifying of what you see happening right now. Because, mm. because what are three factors that these modern conspiracy, conspiracy theorists have in common? One is religious fanaticism, you know, in their own interpretation of, of this dark, you know, uh, twist on Christianity. The other is clearly fascism. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, we, we've seen the current administration appropriate uh, Nazi era symbols, you mm-hmm. know, dog whistles into their came, including America first. You know, mm-hmm. that was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was a yeah. that was a message of fascist propaganda during World War Two. And the third element is anti-Semitism. So when you see, you know, whether it be the president or whether it be these kind of radical followers of the president, marry those three things. The last time we saw that happen in history, where you have a political leader marrying fascism, religious fanaticism, and anti-Semitism, it was Hitler. And I mean, and we've seen this crop up too. I mean, even with that, 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 what happened with Deshaun Jackson and Steven Jackson, the two athletes this week, where Mm. Deshaun Jackson, uh, who's a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, posted a quote that, it, it, you know, it, it was belonging to a, a writing by Louis Farrakhan, but it, it had, he was basically, he had highlighted a quote in this book from the teachings of Louis Farrakhan that uh, um, uh, was purported to be a quote from Hitler that he supported that said the cause of all these global problems is, is Jews. 
Deshaun Jackson, an NFL player, posted this on Instagram. And then Steven Jackson, a, a retired uh, uh, NBA player and who's done a lot of great work in, in activism. And is also I mean, he's got a, you know, a podcast, uh, All the Smoke, went and supported it. So you see these strands of anti-Semitism cropping up in these kind of different conspiracy circles. And it's really concerning. The, the thing about this Tom mm-hmm. Hanks thing, though, was like p- pedophilia. It was like it was like that the deep state. Uh, government and Hollywood elite and economic leaders are in a conspiracy to traffic children and Mm. that Q and some of these people have out of righteous virtue, they're standing up to it. They believe that Trump is on a mission to expose the deep state and they believe there's going to be a big reveal, a big, we've, we've uncovered all of it. And so they actually like, believe that a lot of his rambling speeches are dropping clues and he's yeah. speaking just to them and they're enlightened and, and it's going under the radar of the mainstream media and that he's like lobbing them hints that like support me because I'm taking down the deep state from the inside. And so there's this out of religious conviction is what I was reading yesterday about this pedophilia ring. A lot of Christians are wanting to expose this corrupt sin cover up thing and they forgive all of Trump's character issues because they believe he was sent by God to expose that stuff and take it down. And then therefore, hence this Baptist church elder guy going to the pizza restaurant with a gun, you know, he didn't want to scare the customers or whatever he was going, he was on a righteous mission to expose this pedophilia. Ring. But, but wasn't, wasn't Trump buddies with Epstein? Like exactly. how is, how is, That's what I'm saying. Exactly. are they not yeah. thinking Trump's a part of it? Well, read the comments on this Instagram because oh they're like Tom Hanks was on the flight logs with Epstein, and then so other people are like, "So was Trump." Trump. We have pictures with him, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then they're like, "Well, you know, you can't prove that anything happened with Trump." And it's like, "Well, you can't prove anything happened with anybody." It's flight right. logs. Yeah, it's on I the mean, internet. I mean, yeah. like, who Sheesh. knows if it's even but, accurate? But but even Sheesh. that was even even Epstein's you know reputation was well known at the time that you know the the current president of the United States was palling around with him. He wasn't the only one. I mean, the Clinton family was. I mean, they called. I mean, it was so well known. They, they, they. You know, I hate even saying this, but the 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 term they used for Epstein's private jet, which he would charter these powerful people to his own private island, they call it the Lolita Express after mm. the movie about an older person who falls in love with an underage girl. I mean, that 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 was just sort of the nomenclature that was floating around. Mm. This isn't some new thing. It's just now that, uh, you know, all these conspiracies have sort of converged. Uh, I, I, I look, man, I, I think it's I think it's important to examine uh, people's, you know, powerful people's relationship with people like Jeffrey Epstein, who sure. has been exposed. I mean, he's a convicted sex offender. Yes. Okay? Right. Yeah. Like these aren't this. This isn't conjecture. He right. He, right. he was convicted of this. Um, even after his conviction, he was still palling around with people uh, uh, like Prince Andrew, like Donald Trump, and, and like Bill Clinton. And yeah. you know, apparently, you know, in those flight logs that were leaked in the Podesta emails, uh, you know, a lot of Hollywood people. So I do think you know some of the the concerns are not totally unfounded. But when right. they all weave themselves in this web of conspiracy that right. lets some people off the hook and not others, it gets really distorted. Especially when they start tying in, like I said, the, these kind of anti-Semitic dog whistles about globalist and things like that uh, have y'all watched the documentary on netflix about epstein i've yeah, seen yeah, some of it sure. oh, yeah. it's, yeah, it's hard to watch i didn't know most of this you know like again 
I was just posting a helpful tip to be a good citizen from one of America's dads. You know what I'm saying? I'm got blindsided by the... You're like saying just wear a mask. Dude, uh, hey, you know what I learned in those comments? Relevant is now funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Let's go! We get this money! Free money, yo! Free money! Let's Let's take it. Can they fund me, bro? That's what I'm saying. I said, the person who said that, I said, do you have a contact for free money there? Because sign me up. And then they're like, no money is free if there's strings attached. And I'm like, I'll take dun, the dun, strings. Dun, Give me the okay. <laughs> in the game. What I got to do? Do I got to sacrifice a goat? What you need, bro? I'm down, bro. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but seriously, it went all day yesterday. It, de- it totally derailed my day. I had, a, I had a busy day, and all I could do was, hey, you know what my favorite function is? And I, maybe I shouldn't play this hand publicly, but I'm going to tell y'all. For public accounts... There's a new function on Instagram in the last year called restrict. If you unfollow somebody or block somebody, they know it, right? So if you mute somebody, they know it. Okay, so it, this thing called restrict is if somebody's in your comments and they're just terrible, you can slide and hit restrict. They still follow you. Everything's fine. They can still post on your thing, but only they see their comment. So they're just they're hollering in an echo chamber. So what's what's beautiful about what happened yesterday is all is like whack-a-mole. All of them poked their heads up. All the crazies and our followers poked their heads up, and I was able to go restrict, 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 restrict. They have no clue. They think they're like telling us how it is, and and nobody sees it, dude. It's hilarious. I see it because it's all restricted comments, but the public doesn't, and they think they got us. You know, oh, it's great, dude. Thank you, Instagram, for restrict. Yeah, I, I still like the, the block slide. though. I would keep it honest. Like I love when you're like, I thought I was following Derek, and I'm about to go argue, and it's like I can't get to his page. Like, no, here's, I love, the, I here's what I feeling. learned though. Here's what I learned though. When when the internet came after me last fall, I I vanished off social media. And that inflamed things like people were mm. wanting to tag me and, and I was gone and they weren't able to. And so therefore it made it worse is what I was told. Oh. So this restricting is they can vent, they can say whatever they want to you and nobody saw it. And they That's think awesome. So now they're not mad at oh Derek blocked me because they'll screenshot that and be like, yeah, Derek blocked me because yeah. he can't handle me. Right. Yeah, yeah. So now they they don't. It just deflates everything. Uh, it's the self-own. They it's, own themselves. Yeah. Dude, it's yeah. the most beautiful thing ever. Thank you, Instagram. Thank you, Instagram. And side note, I'm not going to sacrifice a goat because just in case I come across a million dollars, then they're going to be like, see? He's the Illuminati, but you know what I'm saying? Here's, here's my, you know, another beef I have with the Q thing is Uh-oh. they've taken all the fun out of conspiracies. I used to really like, you know, like going down <laughs> conspiracy rabbit holes because it was all fun and games. Like I didn't feel like I was being morally compromised if I wanted to look at if Stanley Kubrick had accidentally faked the moon landing and used the, the, <laughs> the, the, the shining as right. his subtle confession. That's just a fun rabbit hole. You know, I mean, the whole documentary documentary about it it was a fa- it was a great time you know I, you could you could do all the all those type of interesting conspiracy theories and it was all fun and games and then q comes along and makes it all dark and racist and politically uh twisted it's like i don't even want to be involved in conspiracies anymore i don't even want to entertain them because q it has messed it up for everybody with, what, with the with the I'll, dark ramblings you know and what i was gonna say is what's crazy is people like you know like okay the moon landing thing you know whether, whether you yeah. believe it or not, 
you're not going to take a assault rifle to kick in NASA's door. Right. right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you're just like, all right, right you know, maybe, Whatever. maybe not. They were faking it. But this is like so dark. It prompted a man to take an assault rifle to go yeah. kick the door in a Chuck E. Cheese. I'm like, dog, you got to chill. The, the, like, the, the, the... The most violent thing that ever happened was the moon landing is one of the great videos on the internet where Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Aldrin, who in the video is like 90, is leaving like a space convention or something. And this guy, this guy comes up with a video camera and a microphone and, and, and he's not physically assaulted, but he's getting right up in Buzz Aldrin's face, you know, telling, why did you lie to the American people? You never went to the moon. And 90 year old Buzz Aldrin just socks him right in the kisser. And it wasn't like a violent, like, knockout punch it was like a 90 year old man just walloping some some guy it was just a tough lesson learned little little street justice that was ultimately harmless it's taking all the fun of that i want to see 90 year old buzz aldrin put up his dukes with yeah. conspiracy theorists and now i can't enjoy that stuff anymore all right can i say one thing before we move on okay so speaking of taking the fun out of stuff Last week on the podcast, I talked about all my stupid shenanigans with fireworks. July 4th weekend. Did you get hurt, Cameron? Uh-oh. No. Okay. But I'm glad. One of, one of our friends, very famously, very publicly this weekend, uh, Pastor Levi Lusco was shooting off July 4th fireworks with his family and something went wrong and one shot into his eye and mm. he lost his sight and was in the hospital. He's been posting about it on Instagram. He looks terrible. He's got this crazy eye patch. He's getting his sight back eventually, but like it was really scary there for a while. And talk about taking the fun out of being stupid with fireworks. (laughs) I'm like looking at Levi. I texted Levi yesterday and I was like, hey man, you want to come on our show and tell us the funny story of the firework going wrong? He's not on the show today. I don't think he's ready to joke around about it yet. So not yet. Um, yeah. Bro, you're tripping. This man well, is out listen. here with one eye. <laughs> Yo, last week this. was like, you guys need to be careful because somebody's going to shoot their eye I know. out. Right. I was you know how I found out about it? That's because right. uh, over the weekend, I kept getting tagged on social media on Levi's posts. Levi was talking about what happened to him and people who listen to this podcast were tagging me like you're an idiot look at what happened to levi so see you know we tried to we tried to tell them didn't we it was yeah it was trying to tell you okay wait from speaking of last week's show listen did anybody watch hamilton Uh, yes Uh, yeah you did did you like it i'll tell you this when the mixtape came out just music only a couple you know four or five years ago I wasn't a fan. We talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. I just, as it was presented as a hip hop mixtape, I just right. didn't like Lynn's rapping. I didn't just like this. It wasn't musically, I didn't think it was that good from a hip hop perspective. Seeing the theater experience and seeing how incredibly well written it is and, and performed and everything, I was blown away. It was so okay. good. It was phenomenal. I get it. I do think it's interesting. The difference, because I was watching afterwards, there was like interviews, current interviews, like Zoom interviews with Lynn and the cast and stuff. And and they were talking about the difference of when he wrote it during the Obama era and now how it plays. And a lot of people are experiencing it for the first time in the Trump era. And he was talking about like for him that he connected to it as an immigrant story. As an immigrant, you know, Hamilton, you know, basically came to the U.S. as an orphan immigrant from the islands. And he had to work four times as hard to get half as far. He put himself through school with his pen. You know, he identified with that, which was now it reads totally differently with the racial injustice and racial tension stuff. And he's getting shellacked right now online about kind of 
whitewashing the slavery storyline in, in Hamilton because people are seeing it now with a different perspective, yeah. you know, and, and he's like, listen, I took 50 years of content and crammed it into two and a half hours of music. Uh, it is fair game for you to crit- criticize what I put in and what I left out, you know, so go for it. Under this, you know, like basically he was saying if he had to write Hamilton today, it wouldn't have been what he wrote, you know, then, you know, yeah. which is interesting. But I thought it was yeah. a phenomenal piece. I, you know, I thought I get it now, Jamie, and I appreciate good, good. I appreciate it as a piece of theater, you know. It put Disney Plus's app downloads up 74% wow. over the weekend. Oh, dear. But they were the, here's the genius of it. Two weeks ago, they ended their week-long free trials. Oh, so everyone had to purchase. Everybody had to a, pay for a no, month. Man. Which was like, and then it's gotcha. auto-renew. And then they're, they're like, going to get in. They knew what they were doing. They knew yeah. what they were doing. Yeah, Disney's so. not dumb. Well, I, I mean, like seven bucks. I mean, like if you were to rent a movie, it's seven bucks. Yeah. And you get a whole month of stuff, you know? So anyway. I, I do appreciate Lin-Manuel Miranda's response that, hey, yeah, me too. fair criticism. Fair. You know? Yeah. It, it, and I wish more creatives, I mean, I yeah. think more are kind of coming around to that. But like, you know, for a long time, someone like Tina Fey was dismissive of criticisms of, of you know, the use of... Um, you know, blackface and stuff. Yeah, well, and just kind of racial stereotypes that yeah. kind of walk the line between yeah. satire. It kind of walked the line between laughing with and laughing at. And for a long time, she was very dismissive and kind of defensive. Yeah. But I do feel like a lot of artists, not 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 enough, but a lot are kind of coming around to being like, you know what, that that's that's fair criticism. I, I you know, I, 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 you know, artists are, are people too, and they're going to have oversights and they're going to kind of make creative and, judgments yeah. and things yeah. like that and. And if, but I think that ultimately, if you're putting something out there into public and you're a public figure, I think you kind of open yourselves up to public criticism, public comment, and to see someone like Lin Manuel Miranda kind of take the high road and be like, you know, that's fair. That, that's well, not, and, not, not and things just you know, as society evolves and and our lenses <clears throat> shift, you know, art is perceived differently. I mm-hmm. mean, again, going back to when he wrote this eight years ago, nine years ago, to today. He wouldn't have created the same piece if he started mm-hmm. all over again, you know, right. or and it's even going through like <laughs> Disney. I mean, Disney has a very problematic past with, you know, in the 30s, 40s and 50s with, you know, especially race issues. Oh, my like goodness. Song of the South. Yeah. Oh, well, Disney's goodness. not sitting there going, hey, we're just going to like sweep that under the rug. I mean, like yeah. they announced this last week that like they're um, both at Disneyland and, and Disney World. The Splash Mountain ride is going to get totally revamped to remove the Song of the South storyline, Br'er Rabbit and Zippity Doodah and all that. They're removing it all and they're going to make it uh, Princess, of the Fro- uh, Princess and the Frog, which is the first black, black princess, princess in the story movie. And they're going to like, like they're owning it. They're saying, OK, just like Lynn, it's like, hey, fair criticism. Don't know why this was ever okay, and we're going to address it moving forward. So, you know, I I think it's a good thing that America is going through right now. Mm-hmm. D- Derek, did you watch? Did you watch Hamilton? Are you? I can't remember where you stood last week. Are you a Hamilton fan, or are you kind of indifferent? Nah, I, I still haven't seen it yet. I'm sorry, Jamie. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry. I was I was painting my basement though and adding trim, so I was working. Maybe I'll get to watch it this weekend. I, I One listen, day, you and your wife and your kids sit down and watch it, and I think you'll like I, it. I'm not gonna lie. I binge Unsolved Mysteries this weekend, and I do not regret it because <laughs> just with that music, the old just, one? No, they, they did it. They redid it. There's they a new one. It. There's six new episodes. And just when that music comes on, do, 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 do. like literally, yeah. I get chills. I'm like looking behind me. I got to check to make sure the doors are locked. Okay. Like I'm not like when I was, uh, when I was a kid, just that Clark in post, put in the unsolved mystery music right here. 
<laughs> when this would play and Robert Stack's voice, you know, if you or someone you know knows the whereabouts of stuff, it's like, how would I know the whereabouts? They died, they disappeared 20 years ago in a swamp and no one's seen them since. Who would know? Somebody anything? knows, though. Yeah. No Somebody one would know. saw it. You, had, you, you know, know who knows it? Q. Q knows. Q knows. Did you guys, did you guys watch Unsolved See, Mysteries? I, no, I can't watch that stuff because of Q and all this now. Now it's all tainted. Derek, Derek did, did, Jamie, Unsolved Mysteries, Clark, anybody? I'm sure that I did. I love shows. Oh, like as a that. kid, yeah, as a kid for I, sure. Did you guys yeah. watch the new one yet, though? No, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I binged it. I, I'll I mean, watch it. I, I like stuff it right, like that. Mainline it right in the veins. Give me the unsolved <laughs> mysteries. I need them. But, it but is what so is good. satisfying about it, Jesse? There's no payoff. It's not like oh, and then we caught the guy. Exactly, exactly. Like I listen to all these. Like you know, when you listen to uh, like some of these long form pod. Like it's it, it's the thing is like if I just want a true crime story, there. I, last time I checked, that's about seventy five percent of like podcasts those. that exist. I right like now. true crime. I like cold case files that eventually a DNA no, swab. I, like I like it. to think about. I like. To, I like to put myself in the perspective of the. It's terrifying. It makes it more scary that we don't know what happened. That's what the, I like the 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 kind of like weird uh, uh, unsolved element of it. It, it, it. Like I said, it, it the in just the way they shot it. Like the yeah. old one had that voiceover narration of like uh, right. of Robert Stack. You know, right. the most terrifying. I still remember how the old one used to used to open. Like it was just like a foggy TV set and out strolls Robert <laughs> yep. Stack hands in his pockets. You know, it's like for some reason this TV set is in a foggy graveyard and Robert <laughs> Stack comes on and he tells us that a busload of people vanished 30 years ago and all that's left was a pile of shoes and we got to figure it out. Like let's surround or get everyone around the TV and let's get our, our Hardy boys, Nancy Drew on and figure this thing out. I love Where it. Where I, I watch this it. on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah. On all right. It's the big old billboard at the top of my algorithm. Like it has been for over a week. I'm like, what part of my algorithm makes you think I want unsolved mystery? The other thing that's been on the top of my algorithm is this like, Southern Explosions or something. It's like this yeah, show where they they test survival gear and they just blow stuff up. I'm it's like, the, it's, they you know, we listen fireworks, to the podcast, bro. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's a fireworks podcast. No, you Netflix know, Netflix is listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, Cameron, it, it, it's their you. They're factoring in like IP address to uh, into <laughs> their online and, and Florida. It's just like, all right, put that Southern show right on this the top. Dude, the whole this state. dude went to fireworks.com and he lives in Florida. Southern <laughs> Explosion or whatever. It's called. <laughs> The algorithm made this show for you. <laughs> All right. Well, moving the show along. Normally, we would have the hot list right here, but our friend Tyler Huckabee is away on a family matter today, and uh, he will be back on the show next week, we hope. So with that, we'll take a break and come back. Stay tuned. Up next, N.T. Wright joins us. Happiness is quick Drinking is done. I just want to drown. I know I can be happy to say You're listening to Alfie Templeman. The song is Happiness in Liquid Form. Well, this episode is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've reimagined every little detail of the socks we wear every day. 
to make them way more comfortable and even purposeful by giving back to the most vulnerable members of our communities. For every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of more than 3,000 giving partners. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks are a small comfort that make a big difference. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash relevant. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash relevant. Well, N.T. Wright is an author and scholar who has written over 70 books and is respected around the world for his work in academics and theology. He sat down with our very own Tyler Huckabee this week to talk about the proper Christian response to lockdown and how he feels about those C.S. Lewis comparisons. Here's part of our conversation with N.T. Wright. One of the things that you talk about as a, a necessary work for the church during this pandemic is to get back to observing times of lament. I've been fortunate to talk to a lot of Christian leaders over the past few years. This is something that comes up a lot. I feel like there's been a push to try to reinstitute lament as a regular practice for the church, but it just doesn't really seem to have caught on. Do you have any idea if there's like a, a hesitancy there and then why that would be? I, I think I think there is. I mean, I do know some churches in North America and Britain where they have learned to do lament well, particularly in places where there's been major social tension and so on. Um, I think of one congregation I know in Toronto, which has done a lot of work with uh, native Canadians who've come to the big city and have fallen on hard times. And sometimes the only thing to do is just lament at the plight of these people going back centuries, etc. Um, and then, of course, to protest, but it, lament is the first and most important thing. And, and you know, you're absolutely right. I was talking to one of the senior leaders in the Church of England a few weeks ago about this, and he said, Tom, you know, the church doesn't do lament very well, but it doesn't do celebration very well either. He said, what the church mostly does is just complacency. And I thought, ouch, I think he's right. Um, and I think this is part of living in the what we call the modern world, the post-enlightenment modern Western world, where we just assume that everything is going to be reasonably comfortable. So if something really bad happens, well, maybe we'll shed a tear and maybe we'll put our arm around somebody's shoulders and say, well, you know, we'll get through this or whatever. But really the aim is just to push it to one side, say, oh, that, that was very nasty, but now let's move on. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the ancient world would have known better than that. Um, and the ancient Jewish world would have known better than that. They knew about mourning. They knew about crying. A lot of our problems in society, I think, come because we don't uh, have the courage to face up to the terrible things that have happened and that are still happening. And so we are then condemned to repeat them. Somebody was saying in our newspapers this morning, because we've just had this whole Black Lives Matter movement all about pulling down statues of wicked people from a few hundred years ago, or maybe a hundred years ago. And, and somebody's saying, hang on, if we just pull down those statues, 
we we're in danger of forgetting. We're in danger of pretending that bad things never happened, that we've always been good people, uh, and that maybe we need to be reminded of just how complicated our history is. Now, I'm not pronouncing on that issue, but just to say human life is more dark and more complicated than many in the modern world, including many Christians in the modern world, would like to imagine. So lament is uh, is one of the things that your book talks about. Can you tell me about some of the other uh, things that you think the church needs to start doing during the coronavirus pandemic? The the role of what the role of Christians should be right now. One of the things that I was really struck by when I was working on this book is a passage in T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, the great poem written during the Second World War, when Eliot realized that all the kind of knee-jerk reactions of what we should hope for in terms of victory in the war or whatever, weren't getting to the heart of the darkness. It was just, oh, please, let's stop the nonsense and go back to life as normal. And, and he says, I said, to, and he's quoting from a, a great Christian writer from an earlier century, so I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without thought, for you are not yet ready for thought. That's that's hugely important, because I think one of the things I detected was, and I, I've seen this again and again, actually, is that people were wanting to find a rationalist explanation. We can see why God is doing this. And the line would go, God must be sovereign, so he's either uh, decreed this or at least allowed it. And if we understand God, we ought to be able to see why he's decreed it or allowed it. And so there's no mystery anymore. We, we just get on. Okay, here it is. Here's the answer. Um, and Eliot is saying to us, and I think the Psalms are saying to us, not so fast. Let's have some humility here. Let's have a season of waiting and lamenting and struggling. And out of that may come something which at the moment we are morally and emotionally incapable of seeing. And it, it might, I mean, I don't want to be too optimistic. Some people have been saying, oh, we will emerge from this as a kinder, wiser society. Well, don't hold your breath. We've had other crises before. We had 9-11. We had the banking crash 10 or 12 years ago. And we didn't actually emerge from either of those as a kinder, wiser society. We're just more confused and more angry about all sorts of things and more worried and it would be wonderful to think that we might learn some lessons from this, and maybe we still will, but they won't come from the knee-jerk reactions. So the point about the Romans 8 passage is that when the Spirit is groaning within us, with inarticulate groanings, the next verse is crucial. Romans 8, 28, people have often quoted it in the King James Version, where it says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. That's not what the Greek that Paul wrote means. What Paul wrote means we know that God works all things together for good through those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And that through goes with that sense of living with the pain and the puzzle and allowing the Holy Spirit to lament within us. That's what it means to be caught up in the love of God, not just in a blissful being bathed in God's love, though that happens from time to time, but the love of God is the anguished love of God for his wounded and struggling world. That's what we can see in the story of Jesus weeping at the tomb of his friend. That's what we can see in the Garden of Gethsemane. This Christian faith thing is a lot more mysterious and often a lot more dark than we in the modern West have wanted to make it. And it's by inhabiting that kind of space that then God may work through his people in quite new ways. But in the nature of the case, we, at the moment, can't see too much of what that might be. 
as I'm sure you know, some Christians have reacted pretty negatively to the idea of a government mandate that says Christians shouldn't meet together for church anymore. How do you think that we should should feel about the idea of, of state-mandated uh, distanced services? Okay, this is hard. This is a sort of fasting. You know, I, I love praying in church. I love corporate worship. I love the Eucharist. And I miss all of that very badly. But it's like being on a desert island. Okay, we're cast on this desert island. God is well capable of meeting us there. Um, somebody told me the other day about a church which had a sign outside saying, the church is closed, but God is doing home visits. Um, in other words, you know, God is not restricted by this. And, and God is out and about doing stuff, and we will meet again when we meet again, but it's important to be wise about how we do that. Last question. Something that I've heard, and I think we've even talked about it, maybe around the relevant offices a few times, is the idea of you and your writings being sort of a, a modern-day C.S. Lewis. Uh, have you heard that, and how do you feel about that comparison? Well, there's many, many differences, of course. I mean, he was Irish, I'm English, though. Uh, he lived here in Oxford for many years. And when I say here, I'm pointing down the road. Um, where The room that he had was about three or 400 yards just down the street here. And when he went to, to have lunch in the pub with his friends, Tolkien and Dyson and so on, he would have walked right along the street outside the house where I'm speaking to you from now. Um, so th this place does have a lot of Lewis about it. Likewise, Lewis was soaked in the classics as a young man, which, which I was as well, the Greek and Latin classics. And so he came from there. But Lewis was basically a medievalist, and I'm basically a New Testament scholar. There's a big difference there. However, um, for whatever reason, Lewis was a great writer, and I've struggled. I've learned a huge amount from him, and, and I don't think anyone will match his English prose, but I learned from him that you can actually talk about big philosophical and theological issues in clear, sharp English prose, and that's what I've always strived to do, and so insofar as I've had any success from that, I just defer to the master, um, even though, of course, I disagree with some of his conclusions, and uh, I, he wasn't a professional theologian and sometimes I think ah you missed a point there or didn't quite catch that but heavens he gave us so much and uh, yeah I, I should be you know unworthy to undo the laces of his shoes. <laughs> T. Wright. To see the rest of that conversation, head over to relevantmagazine.com. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. You're listening to Hatchy. The song is Without a Blush. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, but before I get into my slice, quick quick around the horn here. Uh, Derek, we'll start with you. Favorite holiday? Favorite holiday? Yeah. Oh, man. I think it probably would have to be Memorial Day, Barbecue Day for sure. Mm, okay. Yeah, well, so how's, I mean, that, how's that different than July 4th or Labor Day? 
because <laughs> uh, black people made it. So <laughs> done. Nah, I rock with Memorial Day though, man. It's because there's it's I don't the feel kickoff. like there's, there's no pressure. Like it's mm. just like I don't have to buy anybody any gifts. I just go outside, barbecue. Shout out to the to the uh, all of the armed forces people. Show love to them. Like I got a lot of people in my family that uh, served in the armed forces. So okay. you know, show a lot of so love to them. So it's, it's personal to the Day. family. I like yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends, like my my business partner Doc Watson. Uh, he's a military vet. A lot of our staff military vets. So it's always love for Memorial Day. Your business partner is named Doc. I love it. Doc, yes, sir. That is very cool. That's that a cool gives name. him that if if I if I were to manufacture someone who would want to partner with me in some sort of business, and I could rank the top five names, yeah. number one would be Doc. Doc, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, you sir. Know, I mean, it just feels very authoritative, dude. The yeah. last two nights, speaking of Doc, the last two nights, I uh, uh, I've introduced my son Cohen to Back to the Future. we watched Back to the Future one two nights ago. We watched Back to the Future two last night. And and we're gonna watch Back to the Future three tonight. But Doc, so Doc, much fun, Doc. bro. Yep, so yeah. much fun, bro. He wasn't right, feeling number two. I thought he'd like number two. Number two, is my what? favorite one. That's the I, best one. But here's two. the deal. The I, here's the deal. I remembered it the same way as well because I loved the 2015 future predictions being so wrong and stuff. Right. <laughs> but they're only in the future for like a quarter of the movie. They spend the oh, bulk of it right. in in the messed up eighty five, and then going back to fifty five, which is just replaying the first movie. <laughs> And then they ended it with to be continued, and they spend three minutes showing you clips of the Wild West in the movie. Well, it's because they shot them. They shot them both at the same time. Famously. Yeah, and so it's like oh, all of a sudden you're okay. watching it, going, "This is not a standalone movie. It's just a kind of middle piece." It, it it actually isn't as satisfying you, you, as you, you remember. You know, another piece of of again, this is total. <laughs> this is worthless knowledge to anyone. But you know, another piece of Back to the Future trilogy, in addition to them shooting, it was two actually all about a time. pedophilia ring. Yeah, that they're trying oh to God. get back in time and, un, oh and unearth. Coded. It's a deep tangle up. Yeah. No, but they actually had cast another uh, '80s actor in, in the role. They they wanted they wanted uh, Michael J. Fox, but he was busy playing Michael P. Keaton. Or, or or his his character on Family Ties, yeah. And so they ha- hired another actor, and they shot for like a month. They had a huge chunk of the movie done, and the director went to the studio. And was like, it's just not working. He's not our Marty McFly. So a month in, they threw out all the footage, and they ended up rescheduling to get uh, Michael J. Fox. So Ooh, there you do go. You know the actor was who was, who was it? it? I'll look it up while while I'm delivering my slice. Her um, Cameron. <laughs> Yeah, it's, 80s actor. It, it, it's Cameron's alternate life. It's he was originally cast in in Back to the Future. I'm trying and to think of the dude in the actors in the 80s and all those sitcoms we used to. Watch. I'll, I'll pull it up while I. So Jamie, real quick, what's your favorite holiday? Oh, Thanksgiving because I think of my grandmother's dressing. I just love Thanksgiving Ooh, dressing. She made dressing. I love food. She don't make stuffing. No, she made dressing. Uh, where's she from? She's from the South, Texas. She was in Texas. Yeah. Well, she's. Passed away. That was weird, but yes. Oh, but her dressing, yeah. yes, is so good. Oh uh, man, that sounds oof. Ooh, I Cameron. love Thanksgiving food. Turkey and dressing and gravy is the yeah. best. G- Cameron, favorite holiday? I, I mean, Christmas. I mean, just it just not for gifts and all the music and the fires and the family. No, just just because I'm a good Christian and I oh. want to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Clark, let, let's, let's give, let's give some real talk, man. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it's Christmas great and all. What's your favorite holiday? Oh man. Uh, I might have to say Thanksgiving for sure. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. Dude, you got you guys are 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 I'm What's your guess? It's just a, a meal. Just go down to Golden Corral and have Thanksgiving every weekend. Okay, Who cares? It's not Bro, just a meal when your grandma makes it. If you go it. to Golden Corral on Thanksgiving, you are asking for it. <laughs> hey, my, my here's how here's how how little my family celebrates Thanksgiving. The last 10 years, we've gone to restaurants. My mom doesn't uh, even bother to cook anymore. We just oh, she just gets reservations. We took our whole family to Mexico this year for Thanksgiving. Like just our immediate family, so we didn't even see my parents or anything. But I, oh, that sounds fun. I like going to Mexico every year for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I found this out. I don't know if you guys know this, but I was on tour a couple years ago, and Cracker Barrel will cater your Thanksgiving meal, mm-hmm. turkey and all. Is that a thing? I didn't mm-hmm. know. Is that, is that a thing? Oh yeah, you can pick it That's up. That's what to my go. mom's been doing. She first did the catering at the house because she didn't want to cook. And then the last four or five years, she's just gotten reservations at fancy restaurants. So bro, it's just I'm going like, to keep it gangster, bro. You bring some Cracker Barrel to my crib on Thanksgiving. It's all bad, bro. It's all, it's all bad. We go cook you. We got to cook you. <laughs> uh, yeah, your Cracker Barrel. The funny thing about when they deliver the Cracker Barrel, it just comes in a big like barrel, like a big vat. And you just have to fish things out of gravy and slop it all. You don't even know what you're serving to people. It's just things slopped out of a gravy oh, vat. Uh, okay, so all of you answered incorrectly. The only correct answer is Halloween because it's awesome. Oh, you get I to dress Halloween. up. You get to go awesome costume parties. You get to eat can- You get to eat as much candy. No judgment. Halloween is awesome. I'm and good. I found two stories from Southeast Asia that may uh, uh, solve this whole mask thing that we're in right now. You know, we've got videos. Seems like every day you got another video of some, <laughs> some white lady freaking out at a Trader Joe's uh, because she <laughs> well, has to wear a mask. Costco recently who yeah. lost his mind. There was a dude, oh, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're threatening me! Oh, and my gosh. Like, <laughs> I was so nervous watching it. <laughs> I get nervous every one of those. They're totally uncomfortable. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, there's all this tension around masks. And, and I think I'm going to read you two brief news stories, both uh, uh, from from uh, uh, Reuters International Reporting, both taking place in Southeast Asia. The first comes from Indonesia where volunteers around the city are, are handing out uh, things like disinfectant, there's uh, uh, mask, they're, 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 they're displaying signs to say wear mask, wash your hands, stay alert. And they're doing it walking around the city dressed as superheroes. Okay. So they have like Spider-Man mask on, they have, they're straight up in mask and they're going around. And, and some of them are actually, you know, in some countries they're like spraying disinfectant, this, this kind of fog into the streets, but they're doing it dressed up as superheroes. Now, in in uh, 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 the Philippines, uh, another country uh, in that in that region that's also being kind of hit hard by the pandemic, uh, they are sending out like in these sort of like officials that are like the enforcement squads and they are handing Mm. out uh, hand sanitizers They're handing out masks. They're also just basic supplies for people who've been quarantined for a while and haven't been able to work regularly. But instead of going out in the streets with like their scary masks and like hazmat stuff they're doing it as star wars characters like darth Let's vader go. and and like <laughs> stormtroopers so kids get really excited when they see him walking down the yeah. street handing out stuff and it's the superhero masks that are protecting them instead of little cloth masks so here's my point okay <laughs> i was thinking about this story a lot and i was thinking about that dude 
totally freaking out in a Home Depot uh, because someone politely asked him to put a mask on and literally like had a straight up freak out attack for no reason. Right. I think this could all be resolved because how many people do you see freaking out on Halloween night? No one because it's awesome (laughs) and it's our greatest holiday. We walk the streets, dress in masks. You know, you're, you're telling me that. That my, uh, you know, mask of, uh, like, uh, of, like Thor or something that, that has plastic. It's got two tiny eye holes. You're telling me that's not more protective than a piece of cloth. I think one, this would help more people and it would make going to the grocery store way more fun. If everyone's just straight up in Halloween mask walking around, it's hard to get mad at anyone. How well, are you going to yell at somebody? I, in I, a, in, in, I hate, I hate to break it to you, Jesse. I'm sorry. Oh, I hate no. to interrupt your rat, bro, but that, to me, sounds like the purge. <laughs> like, okay, bro, just, Fair, like, hey. nah, just don't give it get dog. If if you walk up to me and it's just like a whole bunch of Bill Clinton mask and all that stuff, I'm like, <laughs> like I'm good, bro. That sounds like the purge, man. Let's just just give me the cloth mask, bro. Keep it basic. All that. That's scary. Uh, what about what about funny? Bro- what about funny mask? What about it's like the mask from the Jim Carrey movie, The Mask, where it's just a big <laughs> grinning, hilarious the most terrifying face. thing yeah, of all yeah. time. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> though you know, though you know what those QAnon people would do. Be like, fine, we'll we'll, we'll wear your mask. We'll, we'll abide by your rules, and they all come out in Batman mask. We're literally the only thing exposed is the nose and the mouth. You know, that would be funny. You trying like to the, kick the purge off in the United. <laughs> States. If you were to have all those different masks, it would be crazy. Jesse, did you see that video, that uh, photo on an airplane that went viral a couple days ago where a guy was wearing a, 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 a MAGA hat on a plane? And you know, planes, you have to have a mask on, right? Yeah. And so he's sitting in a seat and the person next to him took a picture of him. He's sitting there in his MAGA hat and he took his face mask and instead of having it over his nose and mouth, he put it over his eyes as a sleeping mask. Oh my God. Exposing his nose and mouth <laughs> oh my with gosh. his MAGA hat on. You're not going to tell me how to wear my mask. I'm going to wear it, but you're not going to tell me how. So. I like that guy. It, it, I, I still am baffled how masks became this politicized thing. But like I said, hey, my it's solution. Q. It's Q, man. I learned yesterday it's part of the pandemic. It is pandemic. The pandemic. Gates, Bill Gates is going to. So they're trying. What it is, is if they fool the masses into uh, believing there's a pandemic and everybody has to pay Bill Gates to get a vaccine, then that enriches Bill Gates and stuff like that. And he's a part of this this pedophile ring. Well, or he's whatever part you call of the he, he's the, like an overlord, a deep okay. state yeah. overlord. Yeah, he's yeah, part of the deep the, state. The, yeah, so the deep that. state and Fauci's part of the deep state and everybody. And so the whole Trump thing of standing up to science, they're saying it's because he's standing up to the deep state, deep state conspiracy. Mm. So it's a whole it's all money. It's all hype. It's fear. Deep state is trying to use fear to get you to be sheep. And so. Trump saying don't wear the mask is like don't buy into the fake you know what I mean it's this how, whole- how could ardent how could ardent uh, supporters of this conspiracy and this administration honestly believe that fear and blind allegiance to a cult-like figure is even possible. How could Trump supporters possibly believe that? I, I don't know. It seems so outside the character. Okay, Eric Stoltz. 
Eric Stoltz, a character actor uh, oh. who's not all that well known, was originally no, we cast as Mario Fly. Hey, good for him. He's had a pretty nice career since then uh, on, <laughs> uh, on various. He did a stint. He, he was on a Golden Corral. He was a law. He was on a. On an episode of Law and Order SVU. Oh, he, I love that. No, no, he's been working. He's been working consistently. <laughs> he's a working he actor. Him. He's a character actor. You know what I'm saying? He's been working very consistently uh, since since the release. So. How I long did that. it take him to recover from what happened to him? You're you got cast in this major <laughs> Universal Studios movie. You're a month into filming. This is your moment. And then they shut down the whole production, fire <laughs> you, start over, well, and it becomes Michael a huge J. thing it's, because they got rid of you. It's, it's like Pete Best. I How mean, do you come Pete, back from that? Well, it, it, it's it's like the Pete Best syndrome. Pete Best was the original drummer drummer for the Beatles, and they they were they were they were this hot band <laughs> on in the UK scene, and they got yeah. a manager, and they're like, "Hey, we love it. We we think the drummer needs a different look." And they brought in Ringo Starr, fired mm. Pete Best, and they're they're playing Ed Sullivan like a couple weeks later, and they become the biggest band in the world. And Pete Best is like, "What the heck, man? I've been playing in pubs in Liverpool <laughs> so for like a year with you guys. Yeah. It's and, not my and, fault." Yeah, yeah. How do you think he feels? How do you think he feels? So close. Or Pete Best. All right. What do you have, Jamie? Okay. So everyone knows um, Colin Kaepernick and the activist he's become since 2016 when he was playing for the 49ers. Uh, I don't know why I need to give anyone a backstory because everyone knows what's going on here. But just recently, um, Netflix announced um, that... Colin and filmmaker Ava DuVernay. Is that how you say her name? DuVernay. DuVernay, um, which she's behind responsible for some amazing films. They're teaming up for a scripted limited series titled Colin in Black and White. Hmm. And so Kaepernick's going to narrate it. It's going to focus on his formative high school years. Uh, which led to a lot of insight to the acts and experiences that he's going through today to becoming an activist that he is today. Um, so Colin Kaepernick, I don't know if you guys know this, you might, but he was adopted when he was born and grew up with two white parents. And so he says that often we see race and black stories portrayed through a white lens and about this new series that he's doing. They're going to seek to give a new perspective to the differing realities that black people face. So I'm excited about this uh, six part series that Ava and Colin are doing together. And I'm excited to see. I always enjoy seeing the backstory to people's lives. Like I want to know how did Colin become who he is today? And so those type of movies, documentaries always entice me. So I'm excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be dope. Yeah. It's going to be dope. Um, Can I tell y'all a story about what happened to my family after this Kaepernick thing? Yeah, okay, get ready yeah, because it get ready. So 2016, when this all went down, uh, my boys were in like sixth grade, something like that. Yeah, sixth grade. And we were at our high school football game and all of the little league football players got to run through the tunnel onto the field. You know what I mean? Like, it's so mm, exciting. Small right. town football, football's life here in Texas. And they get to run through. And so they run through and my boys who, if you don't know, um, they're both joined our family through adoption. One is Haitian and one's biracial. So that sets up the stage for what I'm about to tell you. They get home that night, you guys. And they're just, we're just in the kitchen casually talking, myself, my husband, and my two boys. And this is what they told me. They told me that when the national anthem came on, that a man who is the father to one of their classmates looked at them both in the, looked at both of them and said, you boys better not kneel during this national anthem. Wow. Isn't that the crate? Like, 
Just a random person looked what, at my what, boys. What, what, Who has what, the what, nerve to do that? What were your sons? What was their response to that? They were like confused about why he would do that. They both watch. We obviously love football in our house. And so they both watch it. One of my sons was a little bit more educated about what's going on at the time, just because he likes watching football more than the other. But they just kind of nonchalantly mentioned it to us. And Aaron and I were hot. I mean, oh, yeah. so angry about that. And we tried, we expressed our anger to them, but we didn't want to like, you know, like really express. I don't know. It was, it was a weird moment. But guys, about a year and a half later, I saw that man. And I looked at him and I sat down next to him at a basketball game and I said, hey, you don't know who I am, but my sons, Amos and Deacon, they told me that you said this at a football game. And he's like, I didn't say that. And I'm like, listen, don't call my kids a liar and don't ever talk to my boys ever again. <laughs> and then I stood Ooh. up and walked off and I texted my friend and I was like, I have Did never felt. Did you have an AK strapped across your chest? Just, oh, I, just... I felt like I could take on the entire world when yeah. I walked away from that man. And I was like, <laughs> I am mama bear and don't mess with my kids. Yeah. But y'all, isn't that crazy? That That's, is crazy. I'm sorry, what, Jamie. What, he has a, a high level of clown energy emitting from him. That guy. <sighs> yeah, exactly. So he has a high level of clown energy. That, yeah. that, that, it's so frustrating. And, you know, I have, like Derek, have a lot of, a lot of people in my family have, have served in the, you know, the armed forces. I have, I have family that are active duty uh, right now, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I have uh, neighbors that who, I, you know, I had some over yesterday who, who's, you know, that were hanging out with my wife, whose husbands are currently deployed. And, you know, I, I, even though I'm, I'm, reasonably close to that community you know i i don't see i don't see like the the conflict there like i feel like you know you know originally colin kaepernick you know crafted his um demonstration on the advice of a of a of a veteran who said you know it's it's you know it's more respectful to kneel than to stay seated and we i think this is a good way to kind of get visibility to your calls in a way that is still kind of uh you know respectful to to those who uh have concerns but it is a visible way to express peacefully mm -hmm. your your displeasure with the the criminal current criminal justice system it's so yeah it, it, yeah it's 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 incredibly frustrating that it, that's still it, it's weird because and my my thing is okay no kneeling no this no that no this right. no that it's like okay what do you want black people to do to mm -hmm. express their displeasure with america cool. it's clear that there's nothing you yeah. know what i mean because you know if it's a protest, oh, they're getting in the way. Why are they disrupting people? Then it turns into riots. Oh, they're burning stuff down. Then it's then it's, you know, kneeling peacefully. It's like really what happens is I just feel like people are just like black people. Just accept this doo-doo sandwich mm -hmm. we gave you and yeah. just just don't express anything. Like there's literally no way that yeah. the type of people that give because every person I know that's that's been in the military or that are in the military, they have two perspectives. They're either like like, hey, you know, I went to war so you would have that right to protest. They're either like that or they're like, hey, it's no big deal at all. Like we don't we don't see the connection between a person kneeling and you hating the armed forces. That's something that I think people that are frustrated with black people protesting for their rights they they find a way to discredit the protest as opposed to listen to them. Like, yeah. To me, I'm like, it's just foolish. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do think, and I'm excited. You know, I've seen some 
towards of some movement towards the NFL um, kind of apologizing to Kaepernick in a, in the kind, you know, so I'm hopeful and I'm, yeah. I'm thankful for him, you know, being willing to take that stand per se, you know, four years ago. And now look where we are. And I think that we can look back on Colin and, and say, man, he was willing to forego. I mean, it cost him his career, you know, yeah, I mean, sure. and that, that he had to have known that going in. And I think it also, whenever I hear people so upset about this, that his um, protest is, you know, th- th- thinking less of our flag or our country. And I'm just like that type of devotion to a flag, uh, an anthem, Idolatry. a country is scary to me. It's really yeah. scary to me that he wouldn't be able to peacefully protest. And you're upset that he's like disrespecting a flag. It, it doesn't make sense to me. What's interesting to me is, is the, the shift. So in 2016, when he started taking a knee, uh, you know, all this controversy and the, and the NFL was tamped this thing down and, you know, mm, like whatever. Yeah. And now sports leagues are listening, you know, because, mm. you know, it, things have changed. And yeah. so like, there's two interesting examples. The, the NFL, if it comes back this fall has already announced that, Game one, they're going to play the what's dubbed the Black National Anthem at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the first game in the season. And they're they've been putting their money where their mouth is about uh, the league is supporting like racial justice initiatives and things like that. And so like, hey, good. It took them a long time. I'm not an NFL guy. I think Goodell handled it horribly. But hey, at least there's some shift happening. Mm -hmm. But have you heard about what's going to happen with the NBA in a couple of weeks? So it's coming back in Orlando. They're doing this bubble tournament thing to finish out the season. And a lot of the players in the Players Association has been working with the league behind the scenes over the last month to say, you know, there was some tension of like, should we come back and entertain people with basketball when this is happening in our country? Mm -hmm. And the players in the league work together to say, well, why don't we use this platform to, you know, have our voices be heard and enact change? So they're doing things like, allowing and working with and propelling the players to use the platform of the NBA coming back to, you know, really raise these issues that America needs to be talking about. So down to they're letting players put phrases and things on their Jersey instead of their name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like the pregame clothes. We'll be talking about justice issues. And I mean, it's just, it's cool that that league is actually saying, Hey, listen, (laughs) You know, we can actually use this to enact positive change in our society. So good for them. I saw the WNBA women were putting Brianna Taylor's name on their jerseys. Mm. Yeah, I rock yeah. with Adam Silver. I rock with everything that the NBA yeah, is doing. They've always uh, been they're, a they're little crazy. When this was happening with NFL, weren't they always a little bit? They haven't been like the NFL was. With oh, like, no, let's no, no. keep this no, down. There. Listen, there's yeah. pictures. There's pictures of LeBron back in 2014 wearing I can't I can't breathe, breathe t-shirts right. and warm-ups yeah. before a game. Yeah. I mean, it's like the NBA is seventy uh, percent African American players and yeah. has major diversity initiatives for front offices and coaching. And well, I mean, they've always cared about these issues and, yeah. and have encouraged their players to it's speak for out for positive change. So and, good for them. And, and, and you know, the NBA compared to some, an institution like the NFL, who you know are also reckoning with the team name and mascot yeah. of one of their major franchises right Sheesh. now. You know, the the NBA, especially kind of in the, uh, uh, you know, in the uh, silver era, 
has really kind of become a player's league and has a very strong players association and players union and really allow players a seat at the table where the NFL, where the average career is three years, where there are even guaranteed contracts are not really guaranteed where, you know, you you've had the, for years, the suppression of legitimate medical and scientific uh, evidence uh, uh, about, Mm -hmm. about, you know, preventative measures for, for CTE that, that were largely ignored for PR reasons. You know, they're they're fine. I mean, I do think they've come a a tremendous, uh, uh, a long way. And I think on every level football, I don't think football is ever, you know, like a, a, a safe game. It certainly becomes safer with with. But for a long time, the NFL was doing thing to protect their bottom line at the mm-hmm. at the risk of the health of the players. So to, to see them kind of not be the most progressive league when it comes to uh, how they deal with players expressing their ideas about social issues. It's 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 really unfortunate, but also not all that surprising, especially when you look at how Adam Silver has really fostered a a league with the NBA that that seems to have genuine concern about um, about the players and even even the ability for um, the 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 teams to say you know you you looked at uh, what happened at the beginning of the year. This is ancient history now. Uh, you know it was a big deal at the time, but this seems like a. It's like I, I was talking to somebody today. Like, remember five years ago when we all got super into Tiger King? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that was, like <laughs> yeah, that, eight, was March. Eight, that was eight weeks. That was eight right. weeks. Where's, where's Tiger King? But but it was when what's his name the the uh, Cameron the Houston GM. We saw him. We saw him at yeah. the live. Daryl Morey. Yes. Daryl Morey. You know, spoke out uh, his support for the protesters in Hong Kong against uh, this, uh, you know, the regime oh, in China. Oh, that was this mm-hmm. year? That yeah, was this year. This season. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, initially... The NBA lost over half a billion dollars of, of business in China because of that one tweet. Yeah. Wow. And initially the NBA's response I thought was kind of weak, but I did feel like they kind of walked that back and were like, you know what? Daryl Morey is a free citizen of a free country right. who has friends in Hong Kong. And ultimately what he's supporting, all it said was support free speech in Hong <laughs> yeah. Kong. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not even just democracy, just free speech, yeah. you know, like, you know, but the NBA eventually kind of said, hey, even though this is going to cost us, uh, you know, I don't know, a quarter of their business is now in China. Based on these broadcast rights and merchandise and things, they ultimately sided with Daryl Morey. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think that says a lot about the league and and hopefully its future as not just, uh, you know, a source of entertainment, but a a platform for some of these young athletes to, to express their ideas. It seems as though the NFL treats their players almost like employees and yeah. the NBA is trying to treat them like partners. You know, partners. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's absolutely the like. difference. It's yeah. a, the NFL is an owner's league and the NBA is a partnership between the owners and the players. Yep. I mean, even the revenue is divided 50-50 in the NBA between yeah. the, player, the money that goes to the players and the money that goes to the teams and organizations and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So what do you have, Derek? Man, so... Kanye's running for president. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he yeah. announced his party name. He announced his party name this morning. I love the birth, it. The birthday party. And hold up. Did we have the dance party a couple yeah. episodes ago? Yeah. Right? So, Wait, yeah. what did he announce his party name? What is it? The birthday party. Oh, it's the birthday on, party. Man. So, come you know, on. I rock with it, man. I, well, I don't rock with it. I, I mean, I, I look, I love Kanye. I think he saved hip hop, but... 
I don't know if he can say, but listen, if, if, if Trump could win, bro, like, at this point, I'm not counting anybody out, but. You know, so for, first of but all, can he actually he t- run right after now? After he tweeted it, after it's he tweeted, it, I'm running for president over the weekend. Uh, you know, some credible news sources said, hey, everybody, by the way, there's a lot of things you have to do to get on the ballot in 50 states. And Kanye has done none of it. So first of all, tweeting you're running for president is kind of like Michael Scott screaming, <laughs> I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> that doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything, Kanye. Yeah, him saying birthday party. Come on, hey, 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 Elon hey, Musk. Elon Musk is all about it. Elon yeah. Musk is, look. Elon is rocking with him. Jamie, you said you had something. No, 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 no. I'm just it, saying I didn't know that you could just come out and say I'm going to be president. I want yeah, to hey, I declare. It, hey, and I'm getting money from the Gates Foundation. So make it happen just by saying it. He's running. Look, he's running for president. Elon Musk is part of the squad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, listen, I, he did a four hour interview with Forbes uh, this week, and he says that he no longer supports Donald Trump. Right. Says he's taking the red hat off. He says that he doesn't care about siphoning black votes from Joe Biden. Uh, he's never voted in his life. He was oh, sick gosh. with COVID-19 in February. And he thinks that the uh, coronavirus vaccine is the mark of the beast. Uh, like what else? I'm looking at interesting see. platform. Uh, <laughs> hey, I will say and, this. And he's basing his whole thing off of uh, Wakanda. So, like, hey, look. Hey, I will I'll, say that. Let's see what happens. You know. Hey, Dude, Darren, at, at least he's, he's able I've to heard, articulate a platform. At least I, we know what he's. At we least know he, where he stands. He's, he's, I mean, it might be kind of crazy talk, but at least we know what platform he's running on. That's more than we can say for one candidate that I, that uh, <laughs> uh, might be on the ballot this year. But I've 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 seen. I've seen some, you know, black, young black leaders talking about the fact that like, hey, Kanye, this isn't the time for this. This isn't funny. This is actually dangerous. Like, don't do don't do this. Like, don't mess around like this because you're just confusing what we need to be working on right now. You know, and like and that's kind of where I'm kind of going after I saw the tweet. I'm like, I hope. I hope that this is just like a 24 hour blip and it goes away because, you know, there's there's a lot of important stuff facing he our country said right now. He was going to do it in 2016, though. And I, I think remember. I remember people forget. Like, I, like, here's the thing. One thing about Kanye that, you know, I'm a Kanye fan ever since college dropout, even before that, yeah. when he was producing for Jay. Like yeah. the thing about Kanye is when he says he's going to do it, he does it. That, yeah. Like I, I don't think a lot of these antics or whatever are antics to get attention. I honestly believe he believes these things. So in 2016, when he said he was going to do this, I was like, I'm waiting. Like, okay, when's the Kanye bomb coming? It's coming, right? So, but can he actually? No, I mean, not at I, this I, point. I, I mean, I at this point, so. it, we're a two party system, and yeah. ballots are you can, printed. In unless, a lot it like a big, unless it was like a big write in campaign or something. Yeah, that yeah, would, I, that's, I, that's I, all I it could I be. Think I, think I think that's going to kick. I think that's going to really hurt this whole thing. If if this well, if it's, it's this the goes whole down. Green Party, Ralph Nader siphoning votes from a certain yeah. party, and then the other party wins. It's like diluting right. the voting pool. That's what you know. I'm hearing like Kanye. This could be dangerous, dude. 
people writing in your name is a vote taken away from a candidate that, that we actually want to see get into office, yeah. you know? Yeah, you I, know. I think his thoughts are, especially not being able to be on the ballot, I think his thoughts are give the uh, give the power to the people. So it's that idea, like forget the two-party system. Because right. he's running with Elon Musk, the guy who's like... That's his running I mean, mate? He said that? Or I'm like, well, he's part of, he's helping with the campaign. So Elon is helping with the campaign. So I think it's this whole idea of the people will decide who's the president. We're putting the power back into the people's hands. We're going to... De- they're going to, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. Or it could be, you know, he may lose interest and do something different. But I mean, I don't know. This is this is it's just have you it's have strange. you seen have you seen the memes where they've taken like pictures of children with their hands over their in school, like doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And it's like a picture of the flag and the kids with the hands over their heart. And like the words underneath it are Kanye lyrics, like they're going to change oh my the, gosh. the Pledge of Allegiance to like really, really dirty Kanye lyrics. It's like, it's pretty bad, dude. It's pretty bad. What if I got bleach uh, on my t-shirt? Like, oh, oh. Yeah. There's this Mexican restaurant in town, El Arroyo, El Arroyo, and they have, they put funny signs up. Like their whole account is funny, like meme, like things on their sign. And the one they put up this week, it says this, is getting on the ballot really that yeezy? Okay. It was funny, guys. That's good. I gotta eat there. I gotta eat there with you. Oh, it's good Mexican food. Yeah, come on. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned up next. Hillsong Young and Free joins us. And you don't want to miss the segment after that. Well, you're listening to our next guest, Hillsong Young and Free. The song is their current single, Never Have I Ever. Well, today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something keeping you from experiencing peace and happiness? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world right now, it's vitally important to stay mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. And that's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You get connected in a safe and private online environment, which is not only great for the season we're in, but it's convenient as things get back to normal as well. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and you can send a message to your counselor anytime. To top it all off, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. If you want to start living a happier life today, try BetterHelp. And right now, as a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash relevant. Well, as a modern worship group from Hillsong Church in Australia, Hillsong Young and Free has released incredible albums over the years that capture the heart of worship while giving it a totally new sound. Our very own Tyler Huckabee talked with them this week about their 2020 plans and what it's like reinventing the genre of worship music. Here's part of our conversation with Hillsong Young and Free. best friends though like 
was definitely doesn't feel like all of us like you know in the band we had the song but it was a it was in a it was in a folder on a Dropbox called Out, Out of the Box which was like a, just felt too left to field you know we were like uh, I don't know if this is going to work lyrically I, I didn't know how to even <laughs> make sense of how I was going to take this in a direction that felt responsible and then I think you know the music as well just felt a bit polarizing um, and so we were like oh let's put that in our Dropbox over here and you know, when it came to making the album I was like well maybe we should try one song like that and that was the song to try and so I kind of had set it up as like this probably isn't going to work kind of thing so I sung it at a youth group and they just took the youth group like the, the crowd just took the chorus and they wouldn't stop singing it over and over and over again so like we would finish the song <laughs> and like you know a speaker would get up and they just keep singing it over the speaker and so we have to get back up again and play it and it was like actually out, something like out of a movie you know it's like it's never happened before for us and so it definitely felt like in that moment the song actually became their song more than it was ours show me is meant to be is this youth kind of expression of worship and this exciting live experience and I think three was it was quite different it was very it was much more insular and um, soft and it was and it was it was important for us at the time but we definitely like okay no we're going for something more bold we're going for something that can work live lots of energy and so we went with that brief and we wrote lots like we wrote I think 60 68 songs that we got to when we decided for the album and I had in my mind amongst amongst the other guys who were producing the record we were like okay these 15 songs or so are going to be the songs and we had a meeting with Joel Houston with United which we always do so he kind of exec produces all the records at church and so we met with him and we met with like Michael Gutches that does the same thing and Laura Toggs who's our youth pastor and we kind of went through songs and in that meeting it can all the songs that we kind of thought we were going to go with were completely ditched and we opened up the world out, the, the outside your box Dropbox folder and we went with everything in there which felt like such a risk cool dude you know i'm not i'm not like a edgy guy i, I quite like you know I, I like things not safe but i do like to i don't know I, I love worship music and so for me it was that moment we had that meeting it was when the album completely changed and so the brief that we had all written towards was like we had kind of missed the point missed the mark and so then we kind of reset into this kind of strange space that we hadn't been before and so yeah, sorry, I mean, I feel like I'm talking so much about like these little things, but for us, that was so pivotal because it changed the whole process after that change. We ditched probably 45 songs, you know, in that moment, and we went a completely different direction. So it is quite, it is quite fresh for us, but it's been honestly like 
the best thing like ever for the whole team because I think when you do that like out the, even the band and all our singers and everyone who's involved in Young and Free there's definitely this sense of like I don't know excitement and joy about the project more than I we've ever seen forward whatever it looks like you have to almost like even for yourself personally I, like I find myself like if it feels safe or if it feels familiar it's like what can you do then to make it not feel familiar you know and like because I always will come back to the thing that feels natural I think that's good but I think it's like okay how do I make this now feel like something I have, like I haven't done, even just for myself? Because then you, you feel like you're actually achieving something, you're taking steps forward. That was Hillsong Young and Free. Make sure to check out their new single, Never Have I Ever, wherever you get your music. to Alice Bowman. The song is Be Mine. It's the Jocko Aino Kalevi remix. Okay, so the first week that Jamie and Derek joined the cast, we did a little bit of get to know you questions, if y'all remember. We, I pulled out the table topics cards and, and we got to know a little bit about their, their stories. Well, I thought, it's been a few months now, let's go back and fill in some gaps. So it's time once again for... Meet the cast. Meet the cast. Meet the cast. It's time for kind of meet the cast redo. Uh, I grabbed another batch of table topics questions and I thought it'd be fun to just lob some of these up. And then we will end the segment by asking you guys, our listeners, one of these questions for the question of the week. There you go. Mm. All right. So no particular order. Here we go. Uh, Would you rather travel into the past to meet your ancestors or travel into the future to meet your grandchildren? Oh gosh. Mm. I would go to the past, but I would do some things when I'm there. Like give my ancestors winning lottery tickets from the year 2020. Like give them the numbers. (laughs) I just watched Back to the Future. It's like Back to the Future. That's a major part of it. I know. That's a slippery slope, Jesse. I think I would go to the future. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't watching the past, y'all. I'm keeping gangster with y'all. Yeah, let's go uh, forward and see what we got going on. Future, no, I'm not trying to get trapped back there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> All right, would you rather be considered totally weird and awkward 
or average with no unique or special qualities? Oh, gosh. Mm. Neither. <laughs> no, you have to choose one. Okay. Average. I don't like to be made fun of. And people make fun of weird people. Interesting. I'm going, I'm going awkward because I'm really good at making fun of people. So I would just yeah. spin it right back to you. I, I, I feel like I've been. The whole thing makes me uncomfortable. I feel so like you wouldn't be like Steve Urkel. You would rather be Steve Urkel than just one of the other family members that none of us remember. No. Well, no, there, there could be Steve Urkel or I could be like the guy in Lady in the Water where like one of my arms is really, really built. And then one of them's really small. <laughs> it's, 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 it doesn't, you know, weird and awkward doesn't mean bad. Steve I could Urkel. just have like, I could have overly overwhelming pecs or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, damn, you see that dude's pecs? Those are Dude, crazy. that's Darren Minor. You know what's crazy about him? All peck. From someone who's been walking, dancing this line their entire life, I'm going to go weird and awkward. I'm going to go weird and awkward. It's always more fun. That side's always more fun. Uh, okay. If you had to teach a class for a day, what subject would, would be natural for you? Teach a class for a day. Oh man, that's mm. tough. <laughs> it would probably- I was a teacher before I had kids, guys. Oh, oh so what subject? What, yeah, let's hear it. I taught um, eighth grade journalism and Bible at a private school. And then I taught fifth grade right before I had kids. So there you go. Oh, huh. look at that. There you go. There you go. Uh-huh. I, mine would be, uh, uh, it would be a class on finding weird stuff on the internet. Because I know <laughs> all the places to go. And it's not accredited. And Unfortunately, a lot of people who follow Relevant on Instagram also know where to go to find weird information. <laughs> Funny anecdotes for, those, yeah, for their yeah, weird yeah. info. Uh, music production. That would there you be go. It. Uh, you can do yeah. that, yeah. Well, music production or entrepreneurship, man. Yeah. You can teach yeah, a business class. About that. Yeah, yeah, definitely business. If you became president, like Kanye. You can, guys. What is the first thing you would do to make the country a better place? I know, I know mine. I know mine right away. Free Wi-Fi for everybody. Free Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi in public places. There's no reason why there shouldn't be free Wi-Fi everywhere. Like, like treat it like a uh, utility. Like, like a utility. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. It's just something that's provided. Like Absolutely. libraries, education, Wi-Fi. Yeah, spot yeah. called uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. That They treat it like a utility. It's cheap. I think it's like $50 a month. And I mean, it's really, really high speed. And it just, to me, it just makes sense that we're not going backwards. This isn't a, yeah. you know, it's not a choice to have the internet anymore. Like you kind of need it to where we're going. So for me, that's the first it, thing. It's one doing. of the things that Zuckerberg's actually working on. He's shooting up a bunch of satellites, has been for a few Around years now. Yeah. And it's, it's to bring uh, uh, internet over to Africa, developing yeah. nations yep. uh, for free. So they have access to the global community and education and everything else. So Which that was one of the problems when quarantine hit and the schools went online is yep. not everybody in America yeah. has A, access to a computer and B, access to the internet. So, yeah. Yeah. okay, you want me my kid to do work online, but what, I have to take him to the library? It's closed, you know? Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. J- Jamie, yeah. do you know what you would do first? Because I've thought no, about I this. No, I don't. I've thought about this extensively. I wouldn't and I wish know, the presidency mm-hmm. on my worst enemy, though, so I don't know what I would do. I've thought about this a lot. Inauguration night, this would go down. <laughs> I would have... <laughs> oh, right man. from the beginning. Wow. I would take the limo. I would Not take the first hundred days. Just... Just, no, I would wow. take the limo from the speech and my speech would be very yeah. short. And right. I would say, all right, everyone, nine o'clock, tune in. It's it, it, like an FDR style fireside chat. But what I'm yeah. going to do is live on, you know, you know, when the president makes one of those speeches and all the channels put it on, 
Yeah. I would be like, State hey, guys, listen, this is one of those times. Trust me, because tonight on live TV, I am going to have all the alien files delivered to my office. <laughs> and I'm going to crack them open for the first time. And I'm going to start reading. And we're going to do it together as a family. My fellow Americans, roll up your sleeves because we're finding about them aliens. Tonight, yes. live. Night one. That's good. Just let's That's clear good. the air because you know everyone's thinking about it. You know if they voted for me, that's probably the yeah, only reason they voted for me. That's what you're running on, yeah. yeah. Guys, got to figure out. I don't, we'll f- <laughs> taxes, tough. You know, uh, healthcare in the country, I don't know. I'll tell you what, though. Going to find about the, them aliens night one. And I would be like, listen, low-key, I'll hire, I'll get like a really good VP and I'll resign after I get the alien knowledge and just let th- that person run the show. You know, night one, aliens. Vote for me. Birthday party. All right. <laughs> What's something you got away with as a child that your family still doesn't know about? Oh, gosh. The list is Burger. long. No, yeah, my, my list is very long. My list is long. Something I got away with as a child? <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I was the, bad. Most of my teenage Everything. years. Yeah. If we're going to talk like a multi-year situation, like the majority of my childhood. I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music, and I... <laughs> almost only listened to secular music i owned i bought <laughs> yeah like, i bought i hid I mean, headphones you know the whole thing covert operation for years and years and years to this day in my 40s i don't think my parents have think i've ever heard a secular music song so you know. i'm gonna keep it honest i don't think i've got away with anything because my mom has to <laughs> always got caught like it's it's crazy like there was there would be times when i, I had this surefire plan so either i'm just not a good criminal or like she's just really good like one time i took my uh our van i, I had this job and i was supposed to get off at 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 10 and i got off at eight so i was driving driving my mom's van around picture that and picked up some homeboys we were joyriding and boom i wrecked it you know what i'm saying and oh. i get home and I, and I tell mom i'm like yo mom you'll never guess what happened i was at work somebody hit me in a parking lot blah 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 my mom this is no lie she'll tell you this she wakes up she says you were riding around the city with squeaky and tony y'all were riding and you hit something and you brought the car home and literally my face just turned, I turned white as a ghost. Like, that's now. literally what happened. So I'm like, you know what? I don't think I got away with anything. She's like, it's crazy. Dude, I, my, when I was in high school, I lived, my bedroom was on the second floor. I, my parents had a security system in the house. And so oh. I'd hear them program it. And then you're locked in and they go to bed. Right. I figured out how to one day during the day when it wasn't active, how to undo the two magnet things and tie the wires together on my window. So it was always closed. And so my parents, dude, my parents would go to bed. I would open my window, shimmy down from the second floor, walk around the house to the garage, push my car out into the street. That's a lot of fire it up and drive away at midnight or one in the morning, go pick up my friends. We would TP houses of Mm -hmm. kids in the youth group. And suds, fountains, and stuff. I drop them off. I go home. I crawl back up. I go to bed. Then, like, my parents never caught me, ever. Then we would get retaliation TPs, right? Our yard was always, we had all these pine trees and stuff. And my parents couldn't figure out why we were being so persecuted as a family. And I would, like, you know, like, I don't don't know. know, I'm just bullies, and I don't know who's doing this. You know, I never fessed up. They never caught me. And it was because I was the antagonizer in the youth group and 
We so who was cleaning up the, the 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 toilet paper? Was it was it you? Did you have to clean it up, or was it no? Dear old so dad so my, my dad. No, 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 no. My dad would be so upset. He'd call like the youth pastor. They'd call around. They'd figure out what kid did it. That kid, my dad would call their parents. Those kids would have to come clean up our yard. But oh, I never man. got caught. Like I never had to do nothing. It was great. That's crazy. I am terrified to be a parent right now because of the genes I have passed on to my son. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I know. He's, he's giving I, it back. I see he's the look in his eyes sometimes. Like I know what you're thinking. Yes. You know, like I've thought like, that too. I don't <laughs> trust any of my kids. Were you were going where? Okay, I'll see you there. Yeah. Uh-uh. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'll be at the movie, three rows back, watching you. I, I remember one time I grew up right near like the intercoastal waterway, and we used to. My dad used to take me and my brother fishing there a lot. And there was this old train trestle that would cross the intercoastal waterway that was no longer operational, but it was like 50 feet in the air. It was way off the water. And one day we were fishing and some teenagers went and climbed up and jumped off into the water. And I'm like seven. And all I can think is that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. My dad looked at me and my brother. He goes, you boys never, ever try something like that. Fast forward about ten years. One night, yeah. me and the yeah. me and the, the the my goofball friends are palling around. We're like, hey, we should go jump off that train trestle. And I remember standing up there that night, the middle of the night, about to jump in. I thought back to myself as a little kid standing right on the shore. As my dad telling me not to do this, I was like. Sorry. Woo! And it was awesome. And the cops came. I had to hide in the wood for the woods for like an hour, freezing cold. But great story years later. So there we go. Yeah. I, I've, I said, our woods on fire. I did, I did a lot of stuff. What? That, oh, yeah. <laughs> what the heck? I never got caught. That? Never got caught. I, I Do you remember Lethal Weapon 2? Like the Never opener of Lethal Weapon Two, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and and like the the slow flame went like in a and then yeah, they pull out and right, it said right. Lethal Weapon Two is yep. filming. I got a can of gas and wrote messages on our driveway <laughs> and lit it, and it exploded like a huge bomb because the gas went right back to the the tank, and then so it went, <laughs> and then like flame is shooting out everywhere. Yeah, I, did, I was a, I was a bad Bro. kid. So I, said, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that we're counting arson in this because I have, I do have some things. Now you have Play close to the chest for now. I don't know the statute of limitations on some things. So. All right, this is actually a good question. Week. There's a lot more questions. Maybe we'll come back to this cast thing uh, next week or the week after. But that's a good. Question of the week. So it's time for editorial question of the week. What is something you, our listeners, got away with as a child that your family still doesn't know about? Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can DM us at the Relevant Magazine Instagram account. We will read some of your stories on the show next week. I'm nervous That's about this one, Cameron. I ain't gonna lie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous about this one, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, many thanks to NT Wright and Hillsong Young and Free for joining us. You can follow NT Wright on Twitter. Very, uh, he's a prolific tweeter yeah. at NT Wright Online, and you can follow Hillsong Young and Free on Instagram at Young and Free. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. All right, we will see you next week. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest. 
For more great podcasts, check out our Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like Relevant Daily, Signs of Life, Unedited, and many more launching throughout the year. Night one, aliens. Vote for me. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.